With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. Gotham Podcast Studio, episode 108 of the A Hard to Tell Podcast, Dexter Henry, Brian Fonseca in the building, and we have a guest, she's here for the second time, the homie, Christina Tapper. Hey. This is table bang worthy. It definitely is. It is. (laughs) Everything is table. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think think your previous appearance, which I believe was episode 84, if I got the number right, was a top 10 episode in our history. Yeah, it is. Ah. So we had to bring you back fairly quickly. We had to bring you back. I appreciate that. That's good to know. Because you were just here in June. Yeah. It's January now. Right. Complete different season. Yeah. yeah, different weather. Y- no, yeah, <laughs> different I, things going on in I, your life yeah, now. Yeah, I have a big bulky coat outside, and I was like, I don't remember having to hang anything up when nope. I was nah. here last time. Nope. Nah. I was wearing a t-shirt. I was wearing my set it off t-shirt. I remember. With, um, yeah, with our black icons and I had the, shorts. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had camel shorts. You got oh, another. Yeah. You have another dope T-shirt on yes. today. Yeah, I was, yeah, I, I was looking at. I was like, I was like, I'm trying to like figure out which ones I had because I had braids back in the day. You got to see a picture of that. Right. You have yeah. to see a picture of that. At Cornrows. Yeah, you're going to you're gonna have to pull up a TBT it's or something. It's crazy. Oh, man. I it's, did. I posted it not that long ago. You posted it not that long ago. You can't oh, picture man. me. Look, remember, I'm Puerto you Rican. You can't see it, right? <laughs> we, do, we do that, too. <laughs> you, could. you know what I mean? Like, did you have, like, the funky lines? Was it straight back? Straight back. Beads, at one point, I had like, beads at one point. Not oh in that photo, goodness. but I had... I had hold on, what? hold on, hold on. That's just, like, face palming kind of... Covering his nose, the, whatever. You know, the, uh, the, my, the things we did back in the day, huh? I had, one of the times I did it, I had beads. This is 2011. I had beads and I had rubber bands. This is during basketball season. So wait, this was, you're, so you're telling me. I was 17. This was, this was last decade that we just, that we just wrapped up. This yeah. is nine years ago. <laughs> Nine years ago, that makes yeah. it even that makes it even okay. more interesting. I was seventeen. I'm glad I did. I just that. What's that insecure gif with Kelly where she's like growth? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I posted. I posted. You know. Uh, okay. So this is one of those. What made you get rid of them? 
Um, because that's always an interesting. Because I got a lot, and I wanted to try some different things. So nobody, I got nobody told you like, yo, you gotta get rid of this. I got it straightened at one point. No, when I had the Wait, Afro wow. girls were picking my you hair straightened. Yeah, what? I got had straightened hair before. I ran, I ran at pen relays with straight hair before, like just flowing. You know what I'm saying? I had like was it was it that like Dominican blowout? Uh, <laughs> Puerto Rican, he doesn't want to say that. You know, it has some gel, you know what I mean? Like what? Yeah, I had gel. I had to tape dur- up. Blow dur- out. During that time, like who was your hair inspiration? Uh, I was just trying shit. I, I literally <laughs> <laughs> like no, because I did the whole you know one of them stupid challenges that they do on social media. This one I actually did. It was like a before and. It was like the ten year challenge or whatever, oh, like the, right. beginning of the decade, end of the decade. Oh. So the beginning of the decade, I posted a picture of me getting my hair braided. I saw that one. And the and with a baggy ass Darrell Rivas jersey when oh, I was yeah. a Jeff fan back in the day. Totally fine. And with then that the end of the decade, I posted me doing TV on MSG to show how far I've progressed in the eight year wow. period. Yeah, you had to leave the braids. <laughs> Back there. Well, people's your hair can change. People very want me to do it again. I'm like, you crazy? No, Christina, your hair is very different than the last time we saw you. Yeah. Speaking of braids, braids. you had braids, braids last time. <laughs> I did. I had my box braids, and now Christina's got the afro look. I, yes, I, I, I love my, it. This is my regular. Look. I love it. I'm looking for the photo right now. Absolutely love Thank it. You. Now Brian with braids. I'm all for natural not, hair. So. Not, not, not so much. He, he. It was, it was a different time. So it I, can't, was. I can't. It was, and I, I respect. Folks experimenting, trying to find, you know, yeah. what you want. Look, yeah. we grew we grew up in the Bronx, right, with y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we would go to the same spots. Like, Look, this yeah. is what I'm yo, yo, I'm just, I'm just there's wondering. a reason why in GTA 4, the oh GTA that came out in 2008, that was based oh in New York goodness. City, you deal with Elizabetta Torres, who is from the South Bronx. You know what I'm saying? And she's doing drug always deals. Always comes back all, to GTA. Like, I know. Like, always. So with Video the, games are, With the straight know? hair, Brian. Yes, because like, I have more questions. Yeah, oh, do-rags do were included. Okay. But, I had do-rags. Uh, but, like, what was the weather like during that time? Because, you know, like... The straight hair was warm. It was, like, between... What about humidity? Spring. Yeah, you're running? Oh, it was short-lived. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you got to do pen some relay, touch-ups. Pen relays is at the end of April. And if you know if you know Pen Relays, yeah. like it is highly, you know, Caribbean, you oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like we're, we're, they show we're out, out there. Stuff, we're so. out there. So I have I think I had braids when I got there. Yeah, I had braids when I got there and somebody on the team, a girl on the team, because we went together, um, I think I had her straighten it, if I remember correctly. Interesting. So a teammate, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One team. Okay. So people were just people were just messing with my hair the okay. entire time I was there. All right, Brian's still looking for this picture of his. Oh, he found it. The picture of his hair. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't look awful. You know what I mean? But like that's subjective. But this photo though, it's funny because it's like reminding me of like draft night. Like you're waiting for the phone. Like yeah. to ring while someone's braiding, braiding your hair. Yeah. Gatorade there, yeah, that's me. I would drink Gatorade all the time. Wow. All right, different times. We're not in that time anymore. Christina, thank you. We thank you for coming back. No uh, Happy to be back. A lot different uh, since not a lot different. Shout out to Kawhi different. Leonard for still rocking the braids. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Consistency. Consistency. Consist- still rocking. Yes. It, even though some people feel you like know, you should get rid of it. Commitment. I think I think when you look at things like that, just look at the principles that yeah. that they exist. He's gonna show up with short hair one day, and I'm just not gonna be ready for it. Like I yeah. Iverson back in the day. Speaking of it's your gonna, shirt, it's gonna <laughs> be headlines. For it's days. gonna be headlines for days, and it's days. also gonna be like, what is he trying to tell us? You know, uh-huh. it's like what's the message here? Right. What does he let go of in his right? Past right. Now? Yes. <laughs> he let go of some things. 
Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Christina, a little bit has changed. Uh, new job for you. You are now the deputy editor at Zora. At Zora, mm. at Medium. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yes. Last time, last time we had Christina here, um, Christina was, you know, looking for new opportunities at the time. Living you know? my best life. Yes, yes. But w- um, were you really looking, though? Because you sort of, like... You were enjoying the free agent process. I feel like you were. Yes, and I was. And you removed yourself. Like, you weren't somebody who was laid off. You no, I quit my yourself. job. Yeah. yeah. So we talked all about quitting um, quitting jobs on our own terms. Therapy. Yes. Um, we had a great <laughs> discussion on that. We talked about my pointer piece, which I, you know, um, laid out my whole process. Yeah. Um, so looking, yes and no, because, you know, folks were hitting up LinkedIn, um, calling me, emailing me. Same, same. At the same time, if I would see something that kind of piqued my interest, I would reach out. So it was kind of a... I was open. Were you applying often? At that time, like by June, I think I might have applied to just only one job. Jesus Christ. Maybe two formally, like formally applied. Um, had fun, But like I was having phone calls just to make sure, not just about like jobs, but just like what's happening in the future. Like just looking at where companies are going and also to see like really if it's like a good fit because what I started to do is I started to write down places that I could potentially see myself working at or that I was curious to learn more about I've done that too. Um, you know and then that requires you getting you know some insights from the inside right so it wasn't necessarily like my head was down like completely like searching um but what I will say is that I was definitely keeping an eye out um because I think we should be even doing that even in, you know, when you do, when you are in a role yep, and you yeah. feel good about it. But like, again, be open. Like, don't block your blessings. Well, like, no, this business is, as, we, as we've talked about, you volatile. always, yeah, you always have volatile. to be like, yeah. I mean, you learn it from NBA players, right? Like, they're, yes. if they sign a three year deal, after that first year, it's like, yo, uh, there's only one more left after this one. So it's like, I got to start thinking about what Always got to be thinking. You always, know what I mean? So always. I have several, like, I almost have several follow-up questions, but I don't want to, like, you know, get all too crazy or whatever. But uh, what was the period? Like nine months in between? Um, left? So I left Bleach Report where Bleach I Report. was a managing editor over at BR Mag, uh, which I helped um, launch back in 2016. So I left at the very end of 2018, right? Because last year was 2019. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still getting like, used to that too. At the very, um, at the very end of 2018, and then I started my current job in August of 2019. Okay, so that's so roughly. How's my math? Eight months. Yeah, I'm trying. To, yeah, I'm like eight, eight months. months. A little over yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. I did want a job though before the end of the year it was up before 2019. Yeah. Um, Were you I freelancing had... during that time? No, I mean I got hit up for like a couple of assignments, but I turned them down. I, I turned them down. But what I also did was I was like, 
I'm like, I either don't want to do it or don't have time to do it. Uh-huh. But here are some folks who you should reach out to. Nice. Same, Passing on the blessings. Same oh. thing with jobs. Oh, so you're a good person. Uh, <laughs> I try to be, yes. Um, you but should. yes, and, and particularly if it was anything sports related, um, I gave the names of black women. Good. I mean, yeah. Hope hey, look, and I saw, I saw you said that. We Sometimes I think we have been conditioned into feeling bad for doing that or helping other people. Oh, I don't. No, we've talked all. about yeah, that, too. I've talked too. about this, too. But we, because they I, put you in a position where, like, remember the example we talked about last time where if there's 25 people in a newsroom, maybe five of them are going to be black, Latino, whatever. Like, all them combined, there's going to be five of them. Maybe one of them is going to be an editor. So there's not a lot of us in there. So it makes us think that, oh, we're going to compete against each other for these positions when it's not the case. I never look at it like that. I always try to help other people. I think because, Christina, I think what you're saying put is you understand how, on. on because you understand how hard it is to get into the door Bro. in the first place, right? So passing passing those blessings along, or if you can give somebody the opportunity just to get an interview to talk to somebody, it is grateful. I, can, I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for other people of color opening some doors for me in positions that I probably at the time didn't even think would take me to where I would go. Mm-hmm. So I'm always grateful for that, and I do the same as you. So I constantly try to think about young black men and women that have opportunities to get in certain places. Put always. people on, like, it's so important. Um, also, when you think of, like, the sports culture landscape, yep. um, particularly, like, just to, when you, when an opportunity comes across my desk and it's just not for me or I'm not interested, I just always try to um, shine a light on folks who are often overlooked. And a lot of black women in sports are overlooked. Mm-hmm. So I had a call, um, I'm not going to say the company, but it is very much of a um, successful and very popular um, digital sports company that called me. Um, I had a call with someone um, who I had crossed paths with um, at a previous in a previous role, and um, I already knew I wasn't. I wasn't feeling it. It just wasn't for me. Um, I wasn't feeling the the company overall. Um, and but my mantra is like always take the call, unless you absolutely know like no way. Yeah, like, just yeah. always take the call. Yeah, why not? You have nothing to lose. And also, yeah. you know, I want to learn more about the company. That's so yep. Um, yep. after the phone call, like it was very evident. It was evidently clear this person would like just basically was, like, trying to downplay my talents. Like, had me in mind for a certain role where I was like, oh, that's not a leadership role. Like, no, I don't, I just, I don't want to, like, purely be, like, a Mm. staff editor. Like, Mm -hmm. I've led an entire team. I know how to do strategy. Right, you're passing. You know, like, I know how to, Mm. I know how to lead. Talking shit. Huge (laughs) collaborative projects. Like, no, like, don't try to put me in some sort of, like, small box. Yeah, like, you put me in a tiny box. Sorry. Hell yeah. Um, What you talking about? But um, I said, like, first, um, he then started to talk about, like, a couple of bigger roles, and I was like, "Ah, I still don't think that's right for me. But since you're talking about these bigger roles, I do have some women um, in mind that you should talk to. So I sent him a couple names. And I don't know if any phone calls were made or whatever, but it's just gonna, like I was going to ask you. Do you know, you know how, I'm consistently just trying to push, <laughs> um, you know, folks' names out there because again, like there are just so many overlooked 
folks. Well, you said you said that, and you said particularly black women yeah. um, being overlooked within the sports media. Particularly landscape. black black women who are like doing behind the scenes work. Now we like on Twitter, we see who gets shine or yes. on Instagram, but I'm not I'm not even talking about like they're they're particular women who are definitely overlooked when they do on camera stuff, radio stuff, podcast stuff. But you mean but more I'm also like talking media with, relations? Well, I'm, I'm talking about like the editors. Yep. I'm mm, talking about okay. like the folks who really. Um, the folks that we see on a regular basis, who are the folks who are really um, helping them refine their craft? Yes, you yes, know, right. Who are the people who are not getting the bylines, but you're reading their work? Because who are the people that writers are always crediting for right, you know, helping yeah. them put why, stories together? Why do you think you said you know overlooked in terms of black women in the sports media landscape? Why, why do you think that you've do, you've done it? You've you've been there as a black woman. Why do you think that is? I mean. Structural racism and sexism. Thank you, I mean, thank, you, thank, you know? for, thank you for saying it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, I have to ask a question. I know. But I know. I, you, but have I, to, like, you have to ask a question. Because I know. Like, but I like that you don't – I think we can't dance around it, right? We, we have to just because say we, what it is. Because we're operating in these systems, right? And we're trying to make for, – for a lot of us, we're trying to make the best out of um, where we are. So, yes, yes, there are structures in place to keep us in place, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to keep us in places that we're actually trying to break out of because um, we know that we are so much bigger than the boxes that we're placed in. Oh, I'm in therapy uh, again. <laughs> <laughs> Christina, really Christina, you're now in the I swear to God. Like, these, are bill- <laughs> these are billable hours. I will send you my invoice later. <laughs> no, it's rough out here, right? Yeah, you got, hey, you got, I mean, hey, you got to hustle how you can hustle. I ain't Dexter, said, Dexter's told me that I need therapy. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm a proponent of therapy, um, yeah. huge proponent of therapy, and this isn't, I don't receive any funds um, from this, but I always, always recommend Open Path Collective, which is an affordable way of getting therapy. You pay like $49 as a like um, an initiation fee, and then it's an entire network um, of therapists. Like you search by um, region, area. You can even search right down to um, race and ethnicity gender and then also what the therapists um, focus on mm-hmm. whether you want um, individual uh, therapy or couples therapy mm-hmm. and um, and then you negotiate with the therapist how much to pay and it's um, a scale of 30 to 50 dollars per session so Which they can't fair. go they can't go fair. above 50 dollars now granted like for a lot of folks who are privileged to have um, insurance they um, they get um, support that way of um, going to therapy if they choose to, or if folks, if they have the privilege of um, having the funds to pay out of pocket. But a lot of therapy sessions can run you 100 to 200, mm-hmm. sometimes even more. So um, I've used Open Path in the past. Um, I've um, been blessed to have two really good therapists, black women therapists. So um, I highly recommend in terms, we talk a lot about like go to therapy, go to therapy therapy but we don't talk about like okay what does that look like and what's the access like like how do you actually go about yeah because i mean therapy can be pricey right i mean again it's a business at the end of the day like everything is so yeah no but i'm I'm glad i'm glad you mentioned i didn't want to derail you off your i'm glad you mentioned that and shout out to open path collective somebody put me on to that recently too mental health is important and that's why it's so great to see mental health resources and an amplification of that to see that in the new WNBA CBA, which we're going to touch on in, in, in a second. Yeah. You talked. I'm glad you talked about how hard it was. You know, how hard it is, not was, for Black women, especially being overlooked and overvalued in sports journalism. One of the things I took from you the last time you were up here that I felt really resonated me when I thought about myself and just my career and working through stuff was culture, mm-hmm. culture at work. Right, Ooh, work. big one. And you spoke so much about 
how much wherever you were next at the time, that was going to be a huge factor in where you went. And then you obviously made a decision. You mm-hmm. found a home. How much of that did you stay true in the process when you were going through being like, hey, this is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to make my new home. That culture really didn't matter. I'm sure you lived the words of what you said, but how much did it really go through in that process? Oh, it mattered tremendously. And then that's what I mean by like learning what are the insights of a company, right? You're not just talking about, well, how does this make, how does this company make money? How is it sustainable? What does this role look like? Um, is there mobility? What's the autonomy there? It's also like, well, you know, what's the culture like? What's the vibe like, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, what are the, you know, what what's the energy and the characteristics of a place, generally speaking, but also with the people in place. However, you can describe like you can have meet with people and they can describe that for days but you won't know until you get there so that's the thing and i think i I think that's a great thing right you can have somebody describe it but there's no way to find out because i was having this discussion with somebody other day about what you said and then how that i felt that impacted me and how i feel like i'm going to look at things going forward and i was the person was like well like how do you know and i was like i don't think you really can i said from what i hear you saying too is you can just be as diligent as you can be in your questions and your asking there's certain things you're probably looking to hear yeah but you're right you really don't take a tour around the office you meet with different people Mm -hmm. but then also to know that culture can change vastly i mean in a volatile industry like media with layoffs happening right that um can completely gut a newsroom a company um and then with new leadership coming in that can change the whole vibe and the energy and then also what's the morale of the place so Mm -hmm. you know um i was thankful to um land at a place that is growing that experiments um that is you know um that's really like developing and that's great because you want to go to a place that is growing but you also just need to be mindful like how that growth is happening because again we're in a volatile industry in which you know um layoffs are common unfortunately every every three to five years uh, for some places yeah and so you know um, there are so many places that, you know, one year it's growing, the next year you're seeing cuts in a lot of different ways, whether that's to staffing, to resources, to actual content that we might be enjoying but may not be making a lot of money. Mm. Um, but I always go back to culture, but also the morale because, again, um, culture can change very, very swiftly with all the pivots mm-hmm. that are happening and we're seeing a lot of sharp pivots happen more regularly, yeah, um, uh, yeah, more frequently. But this is why I don't kill NBA players for sort of taking it upon themselves yeah. to do these things because yeah. that, again, sports being a microcosm of society, yep. this is exactly what goes on in our industry yep. as well where they sort of see – or they have a workplace ma- too. Yeah, this there's, the just, there's just Even management. Look at it that way, right? Right. But yeah, they don't look at it that they way. They go because, to work. Yes. Yeah, but mm-hmm. they, but you know, people want to dehumanize athletes all the time. But really, it's the same. It's the same concept where new management comes in. There's a new GM. Same or new concept, whatever. different conditions. But yes, it's the yeah, same yeah. thing. And I, I like that you bring up that point because it's about players having agency. And for a mm-hmm. lot of us, we need to see it that way too. Yeah. Um. While being mindful of the conditions that the conditions and the structures that we work in, because it's not just like, you know, uh, when we're a free agent, we can just like land it anywhere, even if we are coveted in Mm -hmm. our own respective spaces. However, I think we do need to lean in our power much more. Um, Yeah. So say no more. Yeah. So even when, you know, when we talk about like um, 
you know, interviewing and like I mentor a couple of young women. Um, I'm also a digital women's coach through the Pointer Institute's the cohort. And um, one thing I, I really hate is like just defeatist language. Mm. Um, you know, me too. The, defeat is not should not be our mother tongue. We should not just start talking in a defeatist way. But you know. It's natural to do that, right? But I always say, like, if you're going out for a job, like, and you want it, let's speak it into existence, yep. right? Let's I told you I'm doing that more in 2020. Let's yeah. try <laughs> to speak that into existence. Good energy. Speak that. Claim it. Claim it. Claim yeah. it as much as this you can. This is my job. I'm Claim it as much job. as you can. Is, yeah. I also do... Um, respect people who just don't like to jinx things. So even when I say claim mm. it, I'm also talking about like you don't have to go outside and claim it to the world, but claim it to yourself. yourself. Mm-hmm. You know we like to hook our listeners up from time to time, and we have a hookup for you today. So for the listeners of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can check out one of my favorite sports books, $40 Million Slaves, The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of the Black Athlete by William C. Roden. That's available on audible.com with hundreds of thousands of other books that you can listen to today. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T for your free audiobook. Today in the social media age, I think a lot of times people feel like they have to claim it to the world and you don't necessarily need to. Well, it's worked out for a couple of people who like to have tweeted, I want to, you know, I want to work with Beyonce in, in 2018 and then people will. Then I don't, I don't think that's the norm, though. I think that's just a few people that sort of just yeah, it's like a few people, right. but I'm seeing it more. I think though. most of the, I think most of the people who did that, they just you know, I'm not mad at it. I, well, I, I will, think most of the people that did that just you know deleted their tweets so that we don't have to see them. I'm, oh, I'm oh talking about the people didn't work out for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah, a little, yeah. I'm a little I'm a little cynical in that way. <laughs> okay. I, I'll, I'll put it I was taking a different turn than you were expecting because <laughs> I saw your. But I see what you're saying. It doesn't work out. Yeah, he was like, "Okay, well, let me delete or just never unearth them." But like, there's been like I well, what I'm seeing more is I. I'm seeing people at least the turn of 2020 mm. where people were just like kind of laying out not really like specific goals, but saying these are the things I want to happen in 2020. And also, I think I got pe- that people um, who treat Twitter as like a really um, uh, like a real community. I think they're also without saying just looking for people to hold them accountable. Yeah, just be careful. That's fine. Be careful with Twitter being, you know, a place for community. That's fine. True. I, 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 that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I, not. I don't. I don't treat it as community. I'm just saying. Saying what right. I see. What in, you see in other people. Well, doing, yeah. Right. What I see in my. Curiosity. Oh, I. Oh, I see other people treated Twitter like community. Oh, I definitely yeah. see yeah, that. Not just how in, I treat it in highly too. problematic ways. Right. Because it <laughs> yes. can't get to that. Oh, yeah. um, Do have another question. Um, during the, those eight months, were you like taking yourself out of work entirely? Were you sort of fantasizing or just sort of? practicing maybe independent projects and things like that i that was you resting or were you i had just... a homegirl who said oh i'm surprised you went to you went back to full-time work i thought you were gonna did you travel go the, do your thing yeah i went to the maldives yeah i remember mm. that. i yeah. went to the maldives that was that was a vacation i had booked when i had a job mm. so that oh. was prepaid for that and everything yeah i was <laughs> Like, was like, no so, way I, I was like, the only this. thing I have to pay for is my massage. That was it. Like, yeah. 
I didn't have to pay. Everything was prepaid, and and it was all inclusive. Now, how was that massage? Shout out to my girl Melissa on that, um, who found this <laughs> amazing deal. It was a girl's trip. It was it was fantastic, but it was prepaid back in September of 2018, and we went in May of 2019. Nice. Because mm. I almost forgot about the trip, and I was like, oh snap! And then I was like, oh, it's all inclusive. Don't have to like worry about put, nothing. Yeah. But yeah, I was also in Austin to kick off the Gwen Eiffel mentorship program through through the International Women's Media Foundation. Okay. Um, I went to um, I traveled to Dallas for the um, Highland Park Lit Festival, uh, which is held at a high school. So I did some workshops with them, some um, high school students. Nice. And um, feel like I'm blanking on one other place that I went to domestic. Oh, I spent all of um, January in LA. Yeah, that's just right. Chilling, I, I kicked just hang out. out. I that. Well, you yeah, but right. I also, funny enough, I took meetings while I was out there that I had no intentions of doing. But once I said I was leaving BR, there were a few people who hit me up and said, hey, I want you to meet XYZ. You're going to be in L.A. You should have a meeting with them. And I was just like, I'm open, so why not? Why not? Hmm. Um, but, yes, I was um, I was chilling for the most part. Um, I like to hike. Too bad we can't do it more often here in New York. But hmm. I... Um, I really wanted to just enjoy good weather in January, although it was much cooler than I anticipated. But I have friends out there um, as well, and I'll be in LA at the end of January. How too. would you How would you sort of describe your mental during that period? Were you up and down? Were you just sort of constant? Ooh, child, I was good. I was because the thing is, see, that's the level I got to get to. So here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. You so, worry too much. So I'm not sure. If I, I mean, what the, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time. You I know was what here. happens when you turn 26? They ain't got no health care for you no more. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to get that shit yourself. I understand that word, yeah. but go, but yes. Um, so this was the second time I quit my job, and as I mentioned in the pointer piece, and mentioned my in the last episode, second time for me too. Um, <laughs> I said quitting your job is a privilege, so it's not one that everyone can do. Um, and the first time I quit my job, I remember I met with. Um, this is when I left People Magazine as a reporter. I met with an executive at Time Inc. R.I.P. It was the company that you used to own, People. Um, and she said, I just want to check in with you. I want to make sure that you're not leaving here angry or upset. She said, I've seen people leave here angry and upset, and it's taken so long for them to decompress from their former job. Um, Because she knew I was, you know, I I had a lot of... um, uh, I was I was just really frustrated in my role at the time and I was like no I'm good but it was it was good for me to be mindful of that cuz I did have to work out some frustrations but thankfully I didn't have to work out um work those out um in the months um to follow Oh shit boy. Uh, Former coworker of mine at the time, I mentioned this to her. She said she she was transparent. She said she did. She was like she mm. was highly frustrated, and it took her months to get over those frustrations because it's like it's resentment that she she was carrying. I think that's more normal, to be honest. Yeah, that's more the standard. But the thing mm. is, is like to be mindful of that because you right. know right. you know you quit your job to get away from that job, right? right? Yeah. So, but that job, if if you're still carrying that resentment, is still you're still carrying the job with you. Yeah. Right. So I can't say I had resentment in my former role. I will say that I was highly frustrated, but I was working through those frustrations in real time and knowing that I need to leave. Mm. And once I kept it real with myself on that mm. and I was able to leave, it was a relief. And I stuck to the goals of resting and recalibrating and figuring out what I wanted to do next. That's when I was selected for the 50 Women 
um, who can um, uh, program through Take the Lead. Um, and that was a really – I got hooked up with an executive coach. So I will say – as much as I was open and kind of like nimble in a lot of ways, there were opportunities that really landed on my plate that I believe landed on my plate because I made a pathway for them. Like I, I, I like cleared the path for them to land on my path. And I think that was the thing I took a lot from what you said too, right? It's not, it's, it was the recognize it was a, you recognizing that you wanted to leave, understanding that you need to clear the pathway for it. And I think that's, Maybe it's a good thing I think that people should take out is that's when you were able to let go. Yeah. Didn't mean you didn't have frustrations, but once you had done that, yeah. you were then able to let go. So when you did have the privilege and opportunity yeah. to leave, you were in a space that could be better for you. And a better headspace. And I right. think what's also important is just making sure that um, when you're seeking clarity, you you have to define what clarity is for you. And for, for me, it was, I need to leave. I need to rest because like I'm on the road to burnout. So mm-hmm. like, and that, and that's not a journey I want to be on. And so, and then also just like, you know, freeing up space um, so that the blessings that um, I'm looking forward to, or like generally looking at, they do land on my plate. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally see that. And I totally feel like that's, Relatable to a lot of people, probably mid-career, having done some work like you know ourselves, where we kind of are. Because I think there's different levels of frustrations at different points in your career, but I think at that point, yeah, yeah there are, there is, and that's why everything yeah. is not equal, right? But there's things that you can learn from it. Because some point, Brian's going to hit that part too, right? And I mean, there's always going to be work frustrations. Yeah. You just have to figure out what frustrations. Oh, gonna are hit worth. work frustration. No, no, no. You're going to hit maybe the mid-career certain work oh. frustrations. I'm just saying they're different at different levels. Yeah. But you're also there is such thing as early career work oh, yeah, frustration? Absolutely. absolutely. we in there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, the frustrations won't go away. Some will reappear, and then you're going to get new fr- frustrations. The thing is, you just have to realize, what are the frustrations I'm willing to, to, put, up, to, to mm-hmm. put up with or try to navigate or try to, like, find solutions for, too? Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's some there's some stuff you're gonna be like, yo, I'm not trying to deal with that anymore. For for, that's, for for that's fine. For the sake of moving this podcast along, we will do so. Uh, yes. But just know that we will be talking more about this off mic. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> we will for sure. I hear you. Uh, Christina, you obviously uh, covered a lot a lot of time. You've done some stuff in, in sports, and there was some historic. Uh, things that have occurred recently, earlier this month, with the WNBA that I feel like a lot of people should be excited about. Oh, yes. I actually, Finally. the day this occurred, I found out about it through you because you uh-huh. had retweeted it, and then I retweeted it, and it was the WNBA and the WNBA PA reached their tentative agreement, um, groundbreaking eight-year collective bargaining agreement eight. deal. Yeah. Um, this To say this was needed is an understatement. Um, just to go through some highlights of it for people who may not be aware, um, this was significant increases in to player cash compensation and benefits. The cash compensation tripled uh, to more than half a million dollars for the top players. Enhanced travel standards for some people don't know. Some players were actually having to pay for their own trips, um, rooms. That was going on in WNBA. They were not flying charter like you see some of the NBA no. guys doing, um, which means, yes, you could have got on a flight with a WNBA team Anywhere may have seen that. That's happened to other yeah, people. Yeah, sit next to them and coach. Uh, coach, yep. Expanded career development opportunities, uh, new child care, uh, maternity and progressive family planning be- benefits, including paid maternity leave. Which yes. they didn't which have Which they before. didn't have, which is insane. That's crazy. Mind-boggling. Which is mind-boggling. And if, which a lot of people, by the way, probably didn't even know. I don't think a lot yeah. of people knew. If you know anything, me, I don't know if I've said this on this podcast, uh, this country has to do better 
uh, by women in terms of paid maternity leave. This is across all places of employment, yes. not just WNBA. Yeah. I'm a big uh, somebody who really supports that. Um, and the league also launched the WNBA Changemakers Partnership Platform to enhance play experience and drive business transformation. Uh, so you retweet this, of course. We think yeah, it's a, you might have you might have actually just seen my because I believe my first tweet was how monumental this this is because yes. it's a league that is eighty eight percent black women women of color. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about these changes and who they're really impacting, they're impacting black women significantly. And when we think about the compensation, we think about um, pay inequality, right? And typically we we have these conversations about pay, pay inequality and we talk about men and women, but that general conversation is really men and white women, what white women are getting paid to white, white men. Mm. That mm. number decreases when we talk about black women, Asian women, Latino, L- Latino women, um, when we talk about Asian women. So we've got to be mindful of that. Um, so the compensation is great to see. Um, just to be clear, the the whole tripling of the um, compensation um, or players earning up to or surpassing 500000 that comes with, like, marketing agreements and bonuses. But that's great because the average – the average um, – the average salary used to be like seventy two thousand yeah, dollars. And now yeah. for the first time Which the means av- a lot of them made less. Right. A lot right. less. And now the average um It's six figures for the first time. For the first yeah. time. Yeah. That's a huge difference just which to be means, clear, which, on, on players who have to go overseas and play. A lot of women do exactly just well, to make a good living playing basketball. Exactly. Well, okay, let's talk about Brianna Stewart, right? Yes. She's she's gonna be coming back from an Achilles injury. Yeah. Where did she tear her Achilles? Overseas. Overseas. overseas, yep, she does overseas. Right. She tore the Achilles. Yeah, right. yeah. Not coming off of an MVP season. season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So this gives player it, the players don't feel forced to play overseas. overseas. But also, again, when when I look at the CBA, I look at the compensation great, but I look at the quality of life. So the women, uh, these players in the WNBA, do not have an off season currently. Right. No. They don't. They play the WNBA season. And then, I mean, the Mystics didn't even have a proper parade. They had a small celebration less than 24 hours after winning the chip. And so their celebration is really going to, it was, um, is going to be, I guess, in April. But they couldn't have a proper celebration because they needed to get on planes to go play for their overseas teams. I mean, I remember when Bria Harley had just had her kid. And was taking her kid after the WNBA season straight to I think it was Turkey or wherever it was, and she's still doing that by yeah, the way, like yeah. going back and mm-hmm. forth and taking her kid and stuff like that. So yeah, well, this is a normal thing for them and to play basketball basically twelve months of the year. I think yeah. that's a great point, Christina. Quality of life, right? A lot of people, and this also goes into the humanization of athletes or dehumanization that some people are doing, right? Where it's that hey, all the athletes they play this kids game, whether men or women, and they're just playing for fun, and it's like. It's really hard when you're not getting paid as you should be for your talents in your own country, having to go overseas, maybe a family as well, too, Mm -hmm. and taking them overseas, and your life changes so much. Right. Yes, this is a lot about quality of of life. Do you think that this, in the coverage of it, I feel like 
maybe my Twitter experience of seeing this is a little different than some other people. Do you feel like – this is obviously groundbreaking, but do you think it's getting the coverage that it deserves? Because um, women's sports, a lot of times we know, kind of gets pushed to the side. I don't think so. Um, I'm trying to be mindful of what was in the news this week, too. But um, <laughs> A lot of Odell Beckham and not enough Julian Edelman. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're we're talking about the championship game a Monday night, right? And so I believe this news came down on a Tuesday, the day Tuesday, after. Fourteen. Um, I was happy to see that um, that it a very strategic move to announce it on Good Morning America with Robin, with Robin Roberts. Roberts. Um, shout mm-hmm. out to Robin Roberts. You know, uh, idol. used to she used to um, hold down the um, Sports Center desk yep. as an anchor, um, but. Very strategic move there to um, get more eyeballs on the news too, not just sports fans, but just you know this this is news, not just sports news. This yeah. is news. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it was on the radar, but was it as high on the radar as it could have been? No, I don't think so. I don't. I you know, WNBA is still fighting for for coverage in that regard. Yeah. Um. But I I'd, I'd rather talk about how groundbreaking this is because when I think about the mental health resources, I think about family planning resources. Like I think they get like a stipend up until up to $60,000. That's correct. Uh, for surrogacy, adoption, uh, uh, fertility treatments. I think about uh, the players get to have their own hotel rooms. That's now huge. that like, when that, I think about the like, the, it's like these little minor details that like actually like functionally help players yes. perform. That's the that's probably one of the more major things that I saw, and I was like, wait, you mean they were sharing rooms? Yeah, sharing rooms. yeah. which is what you do when you're in college, yeah. right? You know right. what I mean? Like when you're in college, you yeah. get to the hotel room. The you, coach comes rec out. Teams, yeah. yeah. The coach comes out, gives you the key, be like, all right, yeah. it's it's. It's, you know, Christina and, I don't know, Alice, and it's Dexter and whoever. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that that's basically I, what was going on at a professional league in America, right? right. That and has broadcasting rights with ESPN. Like you, I am really about, it's, a lot of the stuff for me was the quality of life, the family planning elements for the women. Um, you talked about the $60,000 reimbursement for veteran players for costs directly related to adoption, surrogacy. Uh, new annual child care stipend of $5,000, two-bedroom apartments for players yes. with children. Yes. These are all uh, workplace accommodations that provide a comfortable, safe, and private place for nursing mothers. Absolutely important. also important and needed. Um, these are things I think that, Christina, I agree with you. Sometimes in a, in a quick look, you may not even think about it. Or, as you're saying, Brian, yeah. might not even realize that these things actually did not exist before. Right. And Because to- the big news here mm-hmm. is the money, right? The money yeah. and also the 50-50 rev share sure. that ha- that may happen in 2021, 2021. if okay, they hit those growth ask. targets. Yeah. Um, so, yes, that, those are like the, the headliners. But when you kind of go um, point by point and you start to see what wasn't there before, it's so jarring. Yeah. So it's also to say that this is groundbreaking, but that this CBA should have been in existence years ago. Oh, yeah. It's almost like how do we not have these things years ago, but it'll go to something I always say a lot. A lot of institutions, a lot of places here in this country – yeah. Don't care about women. Right. I was going to say a lot of places have shown they don't necessarily right. care about black women. As you talked yeah. about the league being 88% black yeah. women and women of color. Yeah. 
yeah, it's we've seen that through time and time in society. So maybe when we look at that history, sometimes we shouldn't be as shocked that this we shouldn't hasn't be as shocked. Well. But we should also be we also be need appalled to, by it. We should be appalled by oh, it. Yeah. But we also need to like the WNBA is under the NBA, and we know how progressive the NBA is in a lot of ways. Yep, and you know, um, folks have put Adam Silver on the hot seat and asked about this, and you know, it's you know, it's always that nothing's a quick fix. That's always like kind of the answer. But what I will say is that since um, the new commission has been in place and Neka Gumake and her both her v- vice presidents in, on the Players Association, I mean, they got this done. We got to yeah. give them a ton of credit. Yeah. A ton they, of credit. They, yeah. they were aggressive about yes. They wanted this done. They spoke about wanting to get yes. this done. And they got this done. And for the, to see Neka there and sit there at yes. the day of announcements was huge. The, the Players Association, like – Essentially, I go back to the league being 88% black women, women of color. They got this done. This league is highly diverse, and they were looking at the league in totality. But again, this is significant impact on the quality of life of black women, women of color. And they're the ones that got it done. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like for us, by us. Essentially, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure, absolutely, it's, and also just like yeah. the sheer inspiration, and this is so aspirational because they got this done. They not only got this done for them, but this, this is gonna. This, I truly believe this will have ripple effects overall beyond sports, and we also just need to give a nod to Black women who have been at the forefront since the beginning in in um, leading the way when it comes to labor movements overall. Mm. Amen to that. Yes. And I do agree it has a ripple effect beyond sports because I think people, women in other workplace situations, as I mentioned before, are going to see and say, like, hey, why aren't we having better conditions in the workplace for women here? Whether it's in journalism, beyond. I've spoken to plenty Mm -hmm. of other women, um, including my own fiance, who's a a mother, and being like, yes, there are jobs doing some good things and there are certain jobs where they can do a lot more for the quality of life. For women, and we talk a lot about work and how mental health and all the stuff that we need. All that stuff matters, no matter where you work. And yes, shout out, kudos to these women, especially the sisters who did such a great job here um, with this. This is groundbreaking. It's historic. There's there's no doubt about that. Uh, moving things along, wanted to talk to you, Christina, about uh, something that could be I don't want to say groundbreaking, but it was interesting with the International Olympic Committee, who always seems to be. Uh, in some trouble, yeah. I have them. So- it's between them and FIFA. They're always in some hot war. Yeah. <laughs> IOC or FIFA. They're you know? always making news. Yeah, they're always making news. So they made news uh, early this month. This is seven months, obviously, before the Summer Games in Tokyo. Uh, the IOC president Thomas Bach announced that athletes who protest during the games would be punished and could even be sent home. I found this quite interesting in terms oh, of the timing. You know, you know what I want to happen then, right? What, what well, all of the best American athletes just start protesting. That would be great. Let's see if you send everybody home. That, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like That would be great, but do I think everybody's going to do that? No. Yeah. No, because they're no. probably scared of the endorsements and possibilities they could lose. So I think that's all it. I find it interesting that this happens. Timing is always interesting, right? Seven months before... Uh, the summer games, we're coming off the heels of a lot of talk in the NFL around Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. and uh, players who have made p- protest. Mm-hmm. And 
we're in a very we're always in politically charged yeah. times, but it's all very the teams still have that workout footage, by the way. Yeah, this yeah, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> we don't yeah. know where nobody's talked about. We don't that. know what, 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 yeah. like what's and nobody asks about that, which is weird to me well, too. Duh, they're not going to ask about Julian Edelman getting arrested for vandalizing <laughs> a Mercedes Benz. They're not so, going to care about whether or not Colin Kaepernick gets an opportunity. Fair point. Because this what yeah. this one you have this what happens when you don't have diverse people in newsrooms or on the field covering these things. The question. I guess I have for you, because I don't know if you care about the Olympics. I don't know if you're a big Olympic watcher. I am. Um, what do you think? What do you think about this announcement? How do you think athletes, especially uh, people of color, um, will re- that maybe were thinking about making a political statement? How do you think they were going to respond to this? So the IOC is trying to. Um you know, get athletes to refrain from making a political statement. But the mm-hmm. thing is, coming down with, you know, this mandate is political. Like, <laughs> Word. I mean, Word. we don't want politics involved. Like Your delivery on that was y'all, excellent. Y'all, like, the Olympics is political. Like mm-hmm. It's always the, the literally nature, every country. Like. The nature of the Olympics is political. Great so point. that aside... Um, it's, I mean, it's disappointing, but I mean, it's not surprising, I, I, like, I'm surprised that this didn't come down even earlier, but I will give a nod to, um, and we were talking about this before we started recording Yep, Rose Robinson, which many of us do not know. Uh, this is, this will be the, it, about 60 years ago, 60 years. Mm-hmm. she refrained from, uh, standing for the national anthem at the Pan Am games. She was a track and field star. And um, she did not want to push any sort of U.S. propaganda. Um, She was trying to refrain from actually traveling with the U.S. team. Um, She was very much proud to be an athlete, um, but um, but did not want to – she didn't want to push anything that the U.S. was trying to push um, through black athletes. she has been involved in other protests as well. She's no longer with us, but um, she's definitely somebody that should be researched and written about more. Um, when I first got to Zora, um, I had Amira Rose Davis write about her. Um, I would also say uh, people need to know Gwen Berry, also a track and field star. Yep. She um, rose her fist at last year's Pan Am Games, was penalized. Um, and so when this news came down, I immediately thought about those two women. Um, and I immediately thought about just the political nature in which we're even having this conversation. Um, so, I mean, there's very little that kind of, that phases me in sports these <laughs> yeah. days. When we have, yeah, like, when you had that side, you that's know, where you go. It's like, it's, it's political, it's a business, people trying to make sure that they keep their coins straight. Um, and that we that they don't ruffle feathers. I mean, I'm just exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like wh- overall, I mean, we're dealing with a very exhausted public in general. Like every day is a new news story about something, and it's like you know, um, I usually see on Twitter whenever I check it, it's like, what are we going to be mad about today? Yeah, you know? yeah. And then it's like on to the next. Like what we were mad about last week is not necessarily right. what we're going to be mad about today. And so I, I, I literally have to like take the temperature of like, I, I can't get 
too upset about these things because one, they're they're not really surprising anymore. They're know? not. I think you make a great point about it's just another form of oppression. It is. But I think you make this great point about the Olympics always being political, right? There's o- always like there's a history around politics going and, and the Olympics being intertwined. You know, uh, the IOC banned, banned South Africa for 21 years because of its politics of apartheid, right? So they have gotten involved in politics, but I do find it interesting to now tell the athletes that they can't be, quote-unquote, political. Yeah, right? isn't and, the act of raising your flag at the event political? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, one, one, one can say that. The U.S. boycotted the Moscow Games in 80 as political action, the Soviet uh, invasion of Afghanistan. Yeah. So countries have literally taken responses and pulled... Their teams out out the game. So let's not forget about the 1968 Olympics with, you know, um, Tommy Smith and John Carlos. And John Carlos. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, if ever there is um, symbolism about politics and about you know um, the oppressive nature um, and conditions that we live in and continuously live in, um, and how they took a stand. And I mean, they legitimately. you know, were punished for this yep. in in multiple ways. It's not until like you know years later where they're looked at as true icons, and I mean, there's still folks who still are um, very against their actions. But um, I thought of I thought of them too when I when this news came down. I just I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting what does happen. Um, perhaps there will be no sort of um, political messages, um, or maybe athletes get savvy and they show and they show political messages in, yeah. in other ways. That's would, what I want. That's, 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 yeah. that's, that's I'm here for that too. Like yeah. maybe the ways we're looking for it. Like obviously when uh, you know John Carlos and Tommy Smith they did what they did and they raised their fist and, and we saw this Granberry as well too. Right, we've seen it in this certain way and Kaepernick taking knee. Maybe there's other ways that we're not even considering people doing it. I do find it interesting. One thing I'll say before we move on with the politics and sports this thing is that politics are always around sports, right? Like we've got the we've got the national anthem. We've got flyovers over stadiums. You've got NFL all- playoff games mm-hmm. or and national championship where they're introducing the president on, right. the, field on the field before the game right. starts. So so please miss me with all this there's no politics in the sports yeah. stuff. Okay. We have servicemen and women at the games where they're constantly pushing pro-military uh, stuff in your face all the yeah. time. So to say that it's not political is ridiculous. Go ahead, Christina. See, well, say there's, there's an injection of politics when it benefits whoever's injecting it, right? Mm-hmm. So all the examples that you just mentioned, sure they do that because it's benefiting them. It's yeah. spotlighting them. It's There's fine. a reason he was at the Army-Navy game right. and not Bethune-Cookman versus Morgan State. He ain't going there. You know not, what I he's mean? He's not wanted like, there. That's not that would be bad for him. You didn't think I would pull those names yeah, out of my ass? I, so. I think he's like yeah, HBCU. John right. Carlos was actually John Carlos was actually quoted in this story that Howard Bryan wrote on the undefeated um when he was talking about this. Good piece. Uh John Carlos said everyone wants to be in the Olympics, but why do I have to sacrifice my moral character to do it? Yeah. And I think, you know, this is what we saw, you know, even I know it's the Pan American games and that does not get the look the Olympics got, but I think this is what we saw with Rose Robinson and Graham Barry. They were not willing to sacrifice their morals for that. And I salute to those two sisters because I think there's something fine. It doesn't take anything away from them being an athlete and competing and how great they are. I understand why they're saying, Well, hey, this country doesn't represent the values that I have and even though I'm competing, it's fair on me to bring that to the world 
So, you know, we can see that. So mm-hmm. I can take this John Carlos quote and apply it to like everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everybody wants to be in media place X, but why do I have to sacrifice my moral character to do it? One time for your mind, one time. One time for your mind, one time. One time for your mind. This is our first time doing it with a guest. Okay. Uh, we told Christina well, we about this. About we told Christina. Yours is way better than mine. Before we get to this, Christina found out about this segment, and she found out uh, through the first time we did One Time for Your Mind, and I brought up the Dating Sunday. Yes. And Christina oh, yeah. uh, told me. <laughs> never heard of it. Had to Google it. What is Are you dating? trying to get down with Dating Sunday? So you said it's the first Sunday after the New Year. After New Year, yep. What? What are you, is it just like you get on all the dating apps and you try to get a date? Like, yeah, I guess, I guess kind of in like. I'm just like it's a day where most people it, use these apps more than any, it's any other day. They get a high first, amount of traffic. That so, first so Sunday. Re- research has it shows has, this? yes, research. Oh, has on this. the episode, yeah, he gave up like a lot of like data. Yeah, I wish I had the article this. again right here in front of me, but whether it's coffee meets bagel, Tinder. Um, Coffee meets bagels still around. I used to be on that back in the day. Uh, <laughs> still around. Wait, so this was a thing. It's been around for a minute. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they've gathered all this information and now they're pegging it. So here's the thing. Right. So they must have gotten some marketing firm. This is like a damn Hallmark holiday all over again without Hallmark. No, because this is like they got a marketing firm and they're like, oh yeah, the, the dating app community is behind this. The, the companies are behind this and trying to make this a thing. I mean, how many international fill in the blank days are there now like oh, oh, literally oh, every day this so international this pancake dating. day donut day and it, it's it's cute and all. international it, show your ass is there, day is it really listen cute? go it's cute go have your margarita on national margarita tequila day whatever that you would have had on that day anyway. <laughs> and, and i'm very suspicious because i think there's three national pizza days I'm, I'm just saying. Sure there is. I'm I've sure. seen one in like April, one in like December, and another one back in February. Because you know what? Like, it's like international, and then there's like probably global pizza day. It's like a, and there's a national pizza, pizza day. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's no, I I didn't hear about it. Um, it's a fake day to to be. Well, here's They're the thing. All fake. I'm, I, this that's the point of one time for your mind. We're glad to bring something that you may not have heard or thought yeah. about. Uh, Brian, we, Christina's got something for us. Brian, what do you have this week? What, what's, your, what's your one time for your mind? Spotify's trying to buy the ringer. Ah, interesting. That is interesting. I don't think I need to add much more because, like, you know, details are going to come out, and by the time we put this episode out, there'll probably be some more details. But yeah. as of now, I'm yeah. Uh, Spotify is, like, really getting into the podcast game, obviously. I think Joe Budden, that was the first one that they got exclusively. Like Joe Budden's podcast, I think that was their first, and that's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, podcasts like going right now. They've oh, since man. teamed up with Jamel Hill, yep. who's doing mm-hmm. really well. We love yep. her podcast. Um, yeah, that's in my rotation. And now it looks like, look, they're trying to get the ringer. And Bill Simmons is one of the OGs in terms of like in sports media. He's kind of our Joe Rogan, right? Where Joe Rogan was the person in comedy. And just in general, who sort of dipped into that world first, famously. Now he's done 1,400 episodes over the span of 10, 11 years or so. Bill Simmons dipped into podcasting, I think, around the same time, 2009, maybe even a little before that. And, and now The Ringer has, what, like 30 podcasts? The Ringer has so many. He has multiple podcasts yeah. on The Ringer. Yeah, it's crazy. So Spotify's and trying to get in that sports. game. Yeah, and this, this is something that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we'll see what ends up actually happening, but... Look, I'm curious it, about the the rest of the properties that the Ringer has and how they'll yeah, be and how that absorbed kind of, yeah. by them. That, I agree. And Spotify, but look, Spotify spent 400 million uh, in 2019 just getting Gimlet Media, Anchor, and Paracast. 
Yeah. And Parcast, excuse me. Yeah, Gimlet's pretty powerful too. So, and those are three podcasting companies. Okay. So, obviously, yeah, they're trying to get the ringer because of all the podcasting com- of all the sports sort of mediums that are doing yeah. podcasting. It's them and ESPN that are probably the biggest two. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. All right, um, do, Christina, you want to go? Or you want me to go? I would go really quickly. Mo- Moms for Housing. Uh, this is a group of women in Oakland, California, who are trying to. Um, shed light on the housing crisis in the Bay Area, particularly Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been in the news because they, um, the group, uh, they um, moved into a vacant home, uh, uh, when I want to say in November, um, and the company that owns the home found out and evicted them. And this week, police in riot gear and armored cars came in to evict the families, um, no children were um, involved because the group knew this was was happening, and um, there were two arrests, I believe, and maybe two uh, protesters arrested. Um, this is this is shedding a light on the crisis that's happening in Oakland and also just across the country in areas that are being gentrified, but particularly Oakland, where um, the group is saying that there are more vacant homes. Um, than um, than homeless people, which the homelessness hmm. is is being raised. So they're kind of like neck and neck. So meaning that there is available housing, but they're they're vacant. This company that owns this particular home, um, told the group in which the group said that they wanted to buy property from them. Mm-hmm. The company then said, "No, we'll put you in shelters for two months." Wow. Um, the group found that to be insulting. Now, yes, again, these are mothers with <laughs> right. children. Um, housing should be a human right. And they are, I, I believe the, the average cost of a one bedroom in Oakland right now might be about $2,500. Mm. Um, it's a crisis going on. And so um, this group is shedding light. Um, it's, a str- it's a strategic group. This isn't a group that just moved into one home and uh, began squatting. This is a group that moved into a home, kind of revamped it. They were paying for the utilities. They were doing their thing. They just wanted to show that um, you can't have families on the streets. Right. And um, the fight's not over. Um, it's been in the news this week. It's a local story, but also a national story. Um, Fred Hampton Jr., political activist, also the son of Fred Hampton, who was assassinated um, in the 60s in Chicago. Fred Hampton Jr. Um, joined the group um, and is backing them. And, um, you know, it's in the news, and, and we need to be, be mindful of it, and we need to keep th- this particular issue in the news because it is affecting large swaths of the country um even here even in new york, in new york, in new Brooklyn, york city you've seen a lot of stuff like that too as well no that's good that's that's really good uh real quick before we get out of here my thing um yes. also was very interesting uh it's about investigate investigative report which was done by anna wolf and michelle Liu for the marshall project mm-hmm. they investigated mississippi's modern day debtors prison now this is pretty interesting these are this generally targets uh mississippi as you, if you might not know is the poorest state in the country um mm-hmm. this debtor's prison targets a lot of people of color particularly black people in mississippi who have debts it could be something of quarter of debt could be five thousand dollars some people as high as i think i saw thirteen thousand dollars what's happening is they've been sentenced to places that are called restitution centers um where they have to work different jobs most likely at fast food chains 
to earn enough to pay off the debts to get out of jail. They're basically in jail. They're watched by guards at like motels or hotels. They're then transported to the fast food centers. Sometimes these people have to work multiple restaurants um, to do that, and it's really hard. They're paid minimum wage. Um, this basically is kind of like, I guess, easy employment for the restaurant owners because they don't have to go and actually – you know, interview people and, and hide it. So they benefited off of it in that way. But also what's interesting is these people also have to pay for their housing yeah. in these hotels that they're staying, and the conditions are not that good. People have been trying to get out. This was a great report done by Anna Wolf and Michelle uh, Liu. Mm. They interviewed like 50 current and former restitution center inmates, dozen national experts. This is something that did go on in the past, especially in the South, for people to pay off debts, but really – isn't shouldn't be going on today and there's a lot of human rights violations in that and people are so unhappy they're trying to get out and a lot of people they're already poor they're in impoverished situations they don't feel like they can get out there was even this one woman in the story who basically ran away um and then she ended up getting stopped for a traffic ticket and there was a warrant out for her arrest already and she had to go right back into the situation my issue with this is it continues a cycle of poverty Um, for a lot of these people, it's not really a way for them to get out because they're impoverished. They're really never getting ahead. It only benefits the system that they're in and suppresses mostly the black folks there in Mississippi and poor folks overall and just keeps them down. This is horrible. I don't think I have to really say that. Right. Um, but I think like your your story, uh, Christina, needs to be shed some light on what's going on, something I didn't know that was going on in a certain yeah. part of the country. Um, I'm actually about to take a trip um, to the area around this is happening in Jackson. And... This is just crazy. So I think it's it's good. I always like stuff like this to be on people's radar. We should know about this. And there should be more to be done in both of these situations where people economically mm-hmm. um, are clearly at a disadvantage and, and should be cared about in that. So sorry to be such sad and down though. But, you know, we try to bring some news and some humanity. And, uh, right. you know, we know now that Christina does not give a damn about Dating Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> she, will not be, she will not be doing that. Dating Sunday. Dating Sunday. Well, thank you. We're glad you were the first guest to do one time for your mind with okay, us. We, we, we appreciate that. You and our first us. guest of 2020, by the way. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's no, start second it. guest of 2020. Second guest? Yeah, Jamal Murphy was here too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. First yeah. female guest. First female guest of 2020. Hey, that's baby. right. I'm giving first y'all. First black woman of 2020. I'm giving y'all good 2020 energy. Vibes. We like that. Good energy. We, go. we want to salute I need you. Sure. Thank Keep you. doing what you're doing. Every thank time you come here, I feel like you're giving us therapy for Brian. Very relatable, very relatable experience. Yeah, I think everybody can can relate to that. Salute to what you're doing. Thank um, you. With Zora, keep keep doing your thing. Thank you. We, we appreciate you to come back and talk some more. That is it for episode 108 of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast for Christina Tapper, Brian Fonseca, Dexter Henry. Until next time, peace.